Welcome back to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Karen Sarlow. And I'm Kelly Sarlow. What are we doing? <laughs> well, I um, I know a lot of people ask you, oh, <clears throat> what's it like growing up like this? Um, and you're 27. Mm-hmm. So I just thought it might be interesting just to chat a little bit about what it's like to be a superhero. <laughs> oh my capes in the dryer uh okay sorry um can i clarify yeah i'm just gonna move the mic um growing up like this or living like this so are we talking about like the whole process or or now uh, i was gonna ask you about growing up oh okay because I, I think um you have grown up with superheroes in the movies mm-hmm. and stuff like that and um, you've gr- you've grown up in a different time where science and thing, uh, TV and technology have um, changed the way people see stuff like this. Yeah. Okay. That's that's fair. Um, so I, I do think you have a really different story than me. Hmm. Okay. And what's it like growing up with this? Uh, well, I, the first thing that comes to mind when you ask me that question is just confusing as shit. Mm-hmm. Um, because. And I, and I say that coming from a very young age, because I remember, you know, we had that beautiful kind of open neighborhood with all of the neighbors who just left their doors open. If you wandered in and said hi, it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I vividly remember walking into, do I, do I have to rename them? I remember walking into Mary's house and just saying, what's wrong? Are you okay? And she would kind of look at me like, you're four. Like, why are you asking me this? Mm -hmm. And uh, just really um, being in tune with people's emotions um, and being curious about them. So asking them and wanting to know if they were okay, what was going on, um, asking from a very genuine standpoint. um, But people would lie and and not out of... um, not out of a mean place, but just like wanting to make sure that I was okay being that young asking. So they'd say, oh no, I'm fine. Everything's okay. Oh, I think a lot of people do that. Yeah, of course. Especially with their kids. But, well, and, and strangers too, right? Yeah. We pass each other and don't even really wait for the answer. Um, but, but yeah, I would I would be in tune listening to people and then they would say, I'm fine, you know, no worries. And I would be feeling all of their anxiety or all of their sadness or their sick stomach. Um and I guess not understanding uh, back then that I was looking for affirmations for them to say I'm not okay. This is what I'm feeling. And I would have had the opportunity to say, I know because I'm feeling all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so really just not understanding my own gifts because people, um, we weren't really allowed to be honest with each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So not understanding at such a young age that I was empathic because uh, yeah, I didn't know that word back then. Mm-hmm. Um, you hadn't been into all of this stuff just yet, so I didn't really have a vocabulary for it. Um, but just I remember being hypersensitive to people, mm-hmm. their energies, their emotions, and and their words. Um, even you know, well, you know, when when people say I'm I'm fine, mm-hmm. but that tone, you know, damn well they're not. Um, just being hypersensitive to all of it. Uh, and very, very confused and not knowing how to connect with some people because of the lack of honesty. Um, Isn't that interesting? <clears throat> lack of being able to connect with somebody because of a lack of honesty. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And yet we think that we're doing a good thing by, I'll say, kind of placating or um, smoothing everything over. Yeah. Yeah. White Um, lies. Yeah. And and I I do say that I don't think a lot of them come from a bad place. Um, Maybe people just feel like it's not the right time or place to talk about it or that they don't have enough time to get into it. So they kind of just brush it off. But Oh, I think too that they're afraid sometimes that if they're honest that it's going to be used against them. Yeah. Whether it's by a partner, a husband or a wife. Yeah, of course. Or a parent or a boss or a coworker. I think some or or the coach. If you show up and actually say how you really feel, the coach, yeah? Mhm. You you're going to be benched. You're not going to get to play, blah mm-hmm. blah blah. <laughs> blah blah blah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it is. Um yeah, so growing up was difficult. I, it was it was confusing for me. Um, however, there was an aspect that was really nice because I think as I got older uh, and started being, I'll say, more social. When your when your social group grows outside of your family, you get into school, you're making friends. Um, I remember being the nurturer in the group. I remember being the person that people came to for um, just that reassurance or the hug. Uh, I know everyone everyone knows me as the one who hugs. Um, so I think I became kind of that safe place for a lot of people, which I, I very much enjoyed uh, because I was always looking for a connection on a deeper, deeper level. Um, but again, that was used against me, right? So mm-hmm. if, I, if I was sensitive or too soft or, um, or too kind, even as, as you grew into your teens, where if you were kind, it was confused with flirting. Um, so I was mm-hmm. accused of, uh, I'll say, of behavior that I wasn't even intending um, just because I would listen longer than someone or I would offer a hug or I would put my hand on their back. It wasn't, um, wasn't that I was searching for anything other than to comfort or to be there for someone. Um, and I, th- and I think a lot of people who, whether or not they, they recognize that they have these gifts or not can relate to that. Uh, because I think right now kindness is confused with flirtation too much. Um, that genuine connection that people are looking for, it, it's, we're all at a lack of connection with people. Um, anyway, going back to growing up with this, um, it was interesting for my brother and I on a specific standpoint because I remember being able to um, have like full fights in our heads. I know I, I've told you about this years later. Um, he used to bug the shit out of me. He was a good little brother. He, uh, in in the sense that he pushed all my buttons for sure. Um, but there was, there was obviously a big love between the two of us. Um, but yeah, he would kind of start an argument and I would want to talk about it and he'd leave the room and all of a sudden I would hear the conversation continuing in my head, um, which again was very confusing. Uh, but then, you know, five, 10 minutes later, we'd walk into the same room together and we'd kind of look at each other and it'd be like, are we good? Yep, we're good. And we had sorted it out telepathically, never really mentioned it afterwards verbally, um, but for some reason, there was there was a feeling of things settling and being okay. Um, so that that took me many years to figure out. And I I remember in high school, you and Andrew figuring that out mm-hmm. of uh, of those conversations in your head. But how how did that affect you with me or with your dad or with other people then friends? Because I I know that both you both of you can hear people's thoughts. Right. Well, and, and I think it's also important first to point out before I answer that question, um, Andrew and I worked very hard at communicating verbally once we kind of figured out what was going on. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I do remember what you're talking about in high school, having those conversations in our heads together. Um, but then sitting down in the basement and actually saying, okay, is this actually what you meant to say? Is this actually what I heard correctly? Mm. Um, so there was a lot of, I'll say human <laughs> clarification that we were in fact okay and that we were on the same page, uh, even though we did communicate very much in our heads. Uh, so that that was really unique. I think he was kind of the first person um, who taught me about that in terms of confrontation because I know you and I have always had that connection um, I'll say on a gentler level, so but both equally important, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm sorry you asked me how that translates to to friends and family. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I just think about how much you were bullied. Yeah, well, yeah, and from grade six, eh? Mm-hmm. And that you'd have you'd have a, a knowing, um, and that you'd always be trying, like you were always second guessing your own knowing because people would lie mm-hmm. and you'd know the lie. It would take time, but it eventually would come out. But boy, if it took six months for it to come out, you suffered. Yeah. And, oh, sorry. Uh, yes, I did. Um, I, I think maybe, and, and I could be wrong about this, but I think a lot of the suffering might've had to do with the fact that even though I knew the lie that the people were telling, I didn't confront them with it. Yeah. Uh, I asked questions and, and that's always kind of been my character is to ask questions and to not make assumptions. So if a friend and I got in a confrontation or a fight, um, I would question them to ask, you know, what's, what's the intention? What's the outcome? What is it you're looking for? Mm-hmm. How come you feel that way? Uh, what is it, you know, that happened? All of those kinds of things. Um, so if they're not willing to tell the truth about any one of those questions, then there, there is yet another lie. Um, that I, I have no control over, I couldn't get around. Right. And so the suffering was in, again, that disconnection, uh, because of the lack of honesty. No, I think of withholding, eh? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a perfect word for it. The, the, that whole thing of, if I withhold telling you or giving you what you need, I'm in control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also ego, right? The ego makes us withhold, mm-hmm. um, you know, to protect ourselves for whatever reason, whether it was, I'll say, status and power at that young age, yeah. um, or even now, really. Um, but yeah, it was it was not fun with friends when I was young. Uh, I think because I wanted to communicate, I always like to sit down and, and talk things through, and I don't think many children want to do that. There's, a, I'll say, a sense of urgency of get up and go and play or keep moving on. Uh, keep moving past it. And I don't know if that's because of what parents kind of coach them to do. Um, send them back in a room together and make them play and not really talk about the, the fights. But um, I didn't, I never really connected to kids when I was a kid. And I know you can attest to that because mm-hmm. you would have your, your girlfriends over for tea or coffee. And I always wanted to be with the adults. I wanted to be in on the conversation, talking about life, talking about goals, talking about, I'll say the bigger picture. Um, yeah, is that, you agree? Or? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so growing up was messy and confusing. Um, but, but I think I was very, very fortunate to have a home that I felt safe in, uh, with you and with Andrew to work through all of that. Um, and I, and I think dad to a certain degree made me feel safe because I, I was someone who could sit down and talk to him, um, and he, there was a certain level of patience from him, uh, even though I never felt that we were on the same page telepathically, um, and that we were never really on the same page in terms of 
uh, life, <laughs> he at least sat down to listen. And whether or not he honored what I was saying, I did at least have a chance to have a voice um, and learn how to articulate myself. So unfortunately, in a lot of situations, even if it fell on deaf ears, again, I still learned how to, how to communicate on my part, which is the only part you can really control, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's helped me for sure carry over into a career uh, and into healthy relationships at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, go ahead. Did you have well, a question? Well, I was curious too, Kelly, like about the um, <clears throat> me. dreaming, because dreaming is such a big part of life. <laughs> and w- just when I think back to your childhood, um, you, about you, even Andrew, I think about all three of us talking about dreams all a lot, mm-hmm. um, and still checking in about dreams mm-hmm. and talking about them. <clears throat> so I was just wondering too, how, how you, how you managed that? Oh, um, how I managed the, the stress of the dreams? Is that what you're yeah. asking? Okay. Um, well, I know I, I definitely have to give thanks to, um, to your mom, uh, because I know the tools that she taught you in all of the nightmares that you had in your, your childhood and, and well into your, your fifties now, um, about banging the wall to wake myself up about knowing that I could control the dreams if I could figure out that I was in one. Um, so I would train myself uh, to look for cues, uh, if things were distorted, um, if dead people showed up in my dreams, how I would, old, how old were you when you guys started doing that? Uh, it was 2001 cause grandpa had died and I oh, remember yeah. dreaming of him and looking at him saying, you're dead. This isn't real or this isn't awake, right? So this it is a, a different reality. Yeah. So um, this is the onset with a significant person's death. Yeah. Which is interesting too, because and I don't mean this to be rude, but, um, you're breaking out in hives all over your neck as oh. we're talking about your voice. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Um, grandpa wasn't significant for me until he passed and which I find really interesting because he was so nonverbal, um, my entire life. He passed when I was what? 12? I don't remember. Um, yeah, he wasn't a significant human for me, but he became a very significant spirit once he passed because, that's when he started showing up and talking to me and kind of teaching me about all of these different realities. Mm. Um, so surviving the dreams, I'll call it, um, had a lot to do with your mom and dad, mm. uh, your mom still being alive and, and him being on the other side. Uh, but also you passing all of those things on to me, learning to, uh, how to wake myself up. Um, <clears throat> and so to sort of calm myself down once I was awake too, cause that, that's a big deal as most people know. Um, it's still not easy though. I still don't sleep well. Um, I think it's just kind of something that I endure that I don't enjoy. Um, I enjoy what I get out of it in terms of the lessons, but you know, we wake up stressed and tired every single day. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of the most annoying things we say to each other. I'm so tired (laughs) every day. Um, but I think it's just part of, I'll say part of the gig. Did you have the ability to see and remote view when you were little. I know I did. And I have very clear memories of some of it. But I don't think I've ever told anybody that I could see in different locations. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was an imagination. Mm -hmm. So um, 
do you look back now and go, holy crap? I think I did too. Like at the time I wouldn't, I never knew, even as a young adult, even as a middle-aged adult, I didn't know. It has only been in the last four or five years in my late forties and fifties that I actually know that I was doing all of that. Mm-hmm. And when I look back at it, it's like, holy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I actually have memory of remote viewing in particular and not one memory that sticks out for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I also didn't have the vocabulary for it. So I'm perhaps I'm just kind of forgetting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Do you have more questions? I feel like I kind of went off. No, go ahead. Well, you're talking about growing up with with these gifts. Yeah. Um. I think it hurt the way that I look at friendships. Mm-hmm. Um. Because there was uh there wasn't too much of a patience, for the way that I processed things. Um, and the way that I thought about and approached uh, different interactions. So I became very much someone who wanted to just be by myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I'm sure that had a lot to do with being bullied too and wanting to not not make friends and just kind of wait until I went off to university to to start over or try again. Um, But yeah, I became a huge introvert. And I I mean, you know, since a little little girl, I... uh, immersed myself in books in different, mm-hmm. literally in different worlds, right? That, that different people created. Okay. Can I throw out something <clears throat> and just, mm-hmm, of course, Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. I just think about the difference in your life, having had JK Rowling, right? Yeah. Those, that series of books mm-hmm. at a time when you have all of these gifts, when you can sit down and I know you were probably 10 or whatever, when 12, yeah. when you started reading those, um, but that you had that world to connect to mm-hmm. while you still had these gifts. And I don't know if that made it better or worse because she had a vocabulary. She brought up so much. I remember when I was reading those books when you were a kid, I was the one that couldn't put them down. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, for for good reason. Yeah, of course. But I'm thinking about you being 12 years old and Andrew being 10 and going through having all of these gifts and then also having that whole Harry Potter experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think it kind of made it perfect and wonderful. Um, but it was still hard because I do remember when those books came out, um, in the news, and I know this was years ago, but places still banning them, schools still banning them, talking about, um, all of the evil that was in those books. And I, I just remember being baffled and laughing at it. But a part of me also being hurt because when you identify with something so much and then you're told that somewhere in the world this is considered crazy or horrible, whatever, um, you're thinking, okay, well, what does that make me? Where does that where does that put me in their eyes? I think I remember, Kelly, that the Catholic Church <clears throat> said, told us we couldn't, oh, yeah. we, or I shouldn't say we, I'm not Catholic anymore, but uh, was telling Catholics that this was uh, bad literature. And I think the school boards even didn't. Mm-hmm. We're putting out warnings like not to read these books. (laughs) Yeah. And of course, now we can look back at that as educators or Catholics and look at that and go, that didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I anyway, that just boggles my mind. It's a whole different. That's another issue. issue. But anyway, go ahead. But no, those those books were incredible because the moving staircases, they made sense to me. Mm -hmm. All of the things that she wrote about and described Mm -hmm. were the way my dreams work. 
mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. And I, I think Divergent, the movie Divergent, has done a little bit for that for, uh, for me as well. Yeah. Uh, in in the way that she manipulates her realities. Yes. Uh, but yeah, Harry Potter was definitely the first thing that kind of, um, I'll say, put it out there uh, for people to to see it and, and hopefully connect to it. Um, but the magic, just the the beautiful magic that people could understand. Um, yeah, you feel like you belong in that world. And and it's funny because even to this day, I think, how come I didn't get my letter um, to Hogwarts? <laughs> but I've got that Hogwarts alumni shirt. Um, no, it, yeah, so it changed the way that I, that I approached friendships. It kind of drove me into different worlds or realities of my own, um, which was wonderful in, in a way because it drove me, and I think you and I closer together um, because of, you know, the isolation that I had felt at school. Um, so you and I had started enrolling in the therapeutic touch and, and the different courses together, um, and really kind of discovering these gifts. And unfortunately, while I had to go to work or to school all day, you were at home reading all about it. And I came home and you were able to share all the vocabulary and everything. So there was huge connection for the two of us, um, in, in my isolation. So. I think about how neat that is too, that if you're when, like, because you and I can't get to the same course that, or can't do the same thing because of age or timing or whatever, mm-hmm. that while you're doing one thing and I'm learning the other thing, you get to come back and share those things together. Mm-hmm. And that is what pulls the two of you together is the fact that you can't to yeah. begin with. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think about, about that as a mom, when you want to do things with your kids or you want to do something with your husband or your best friend and you can't and you think that's the worst thing in the world and then you find out that it's it's perfect because you get to mm-hmm. you get to teach it to each other and share it and that that's what pulls you together oh well, and you and I still joke about the fact that uh you earned your psychology degree while I was going to uh, the University of Ottawa because mm-hmm. we were on the phone so much together and I think how important it is that I never got a psychology degree <laughs> <laughs> because it, you don't have the debt well I don't have the debt and I don't have yes thank you for that yep. um but also because I don't have the papers behind my name saying that I have to follow somebody else's rules yeah that I get to actually use my gifts by the rules of the universe instead of by the rules of um a group of people saying that oh but you need rules because it keeps people safe Mm-hmm. And I think, well, if I'm paying attention to the universe and the universal laws of of flexibility and perfection and love and all those things, I'm doing just fine. Mm-hmm. And they seem to be a better crew than some of the groups of humans I've met. They seem to be? Well, they are hands yeah, down. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry. Did you have more questions? Uh, no, I hadn't thought of any, but, it, you know, whatever. Okay. Yeah. I'm, you know what? It just, it makes me, um, the question that you're asking me or that we started out with, it just makes me um, really think about the friend, the friendships that I have now um, mm. and how things have shifted. Uh, and I don't know if it's because I'm older or if it's because I'm fully immersed in doing this as a career. Um, but the, the patience, the honesty, the integrity uh, of the friends that I've, I've now been able to cultivate uh, and how they support me, even if they don't fully understand what I'm doing, which I think is fair because I'm not even sure I fully understand what I'm doing um, on a moment-to-moment basis because, you know, it's so much about just listening and kind of taking direction from the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not about having a game plan. 
I think that's you said a couple of really key things. First of all, that somebody could still be your friend and support you in something that they don't understand. Mm -hmm. And that a lot of people can't get themselves to that. That if they can't understand being gay, they can't support it. Mm -hmm. If they can't understand fill in the blank, they can't support it. Mm -hmm. And that they can't be around that person, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's interesting to me that you're saying that you've met people um, that can can do that and that speaks to the, just the fact that they can be open enough and what open can get you in life mm -hmm. versus oh no I'm just going to stay closed because um, I got to stay here in this box mm -hmm. and I got to put you on the outside of the box and yeah. and because they do that that makes it weird or bad yeah I don't have friends like that anymore yeah <laughs> so <laughs> yes so kudos to you. Well, and you, because I know, mm -hmm. we know each other's friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, I th and I think, um, this is going to sound weird because it sounds like I'm paying myself a backward compliment, but um, it's wonderful that my friends now uh, have learned and know how to question me the same way I like to question them. Mm. Mm. So when I talk about being that kid who would constantly kind of not pry, but be so curious, mm -hmm. uh, my friends will sit down with me and say, you know, what is it you do? How does that work? Is it tough for you to be out in public when we invite you to certain places? Is it uncomfortable for you? What do you need? Oh, um, okay. Let's go there. <coughs> Kelly, when you're out in public <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> uh, and you're sitting at a restaurant or... Sorry, I just need to clear my, my throat. <coughs> Apologize. Say you're out at a restaurant with a friend. What kind of things can you experience? Uh, Okay. I think the best way I can describe it, oh my God, I, I know exactly who's going to be laughing listening to this. Um, you know when you're sitting in a restaurant and there's a bunch of TVs mm -hmm. and you're engaged in a really great conversation, but no matter how good the conversation is and, and how wonderful the person is in front of you, your eye gets drawn to the TV Yeah, I, I because do. Of, the, of the movement or the color or the sound. Um, <laughs> picture being in a place with no TVs the dead people walking around are like my TVs. So I see all of the spirits walking around, but I also see all of the people who are getting up and going to the washroom and, and shifting, um, picking up on their energies, picking up on their thoughts, and still trying to stay connected to the one person I've actually chosen to sit down with and have a conversation with. Um, so it's it's very, very distracting. Um, and I think I, I do better on certain days. And and not that I can predict it by any means, but there's there's days that are better than others. Um, where I can kind of hone in my, my focus. But if if you are adding in loud music, if you're adding in TVs, literally. What about alcohol? Oh, um, sorry, I'm just going to finish that. It just makes it a little mm -hmm. more difficult. Um, alcohol, oh, interesting enough, I find alcohol even easier to deal with in the sense that everything's clearer about what, how they're thinking and how they're feeling because the, the beliefs that they're having mm. become raw. So if someone's walking around on a normal day and they're, you know, completely sober saying, I'm fine, I'm put together, everything's going well, my life's fine. Um, and I'm the one who's sitting there going, you know, I can hear them saying that they're falling apart, that they're stressed, that they're nervous, um, that they're not confident. When alcohol's added, there isn't even the, the faking the whole I've got my shit together. Um, the, the, like I say, the beliefs that they hold about 
not being confident, not feeling worthy or um, being stressed out are just kind of all out on the table. And I shouldn't say that they're easier to deal with. They're just easier to see or easier to identify. Um, But there's a heavier feeling in myself. So going back to that empathic feeling of uh, feeling people's sadness or their or their laughter uh, when people are drinking alcohol, it becomes that much more of a depressive state. Um, I feel tired. I feel heavy. Um, yeah, it's it's tougher on my body. I think being around the alcohol, um, even though the thoughts and the beliefs are clear, so I feel like I can channel easier. Um, but at that point, they're not interested in oh, your God, channeling. No. No. They're drunk. And of course, I'm not going to the bar saying, hey, you're drunk. Come on over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's have a reading. No, um, no, it's just easier to kind of pick up on those energies because that wall has come down. Can you protect yourself from it? <clears throat> uh, no. I And I don't know that I ever really can protect myself from it. I think it's just a mental space that I constantly have to remind myself to be in my own head, be in my own space, um, be present with what I'm doing. But... Energies come in and out all the time. Okay, now I want to talk to you or ask you a question because <laughs> my mind's floating. I know, I can see you. Uh, uh, about the bathroom then. <clears throat> oh, fuck. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, I know it's the button. <laughs> I, I know it is. That's why, I, that's why I asked you. The bathroom. Well, Kate, now you're in, you're in a restaurant. I'm in a public bathroom. You're in a public bathroom. So not my office. <laughs> not your office. Not here in the house. So say you're out now at a restaurant with your friends and they're drinking and you're in the bathroom. And I'm asking you this because I go through the same thing. So I'm uh, almost setting you uh, up a little bit. I know. I know you are. <laughs> I know where this is going. Because but... we've had ample conversation about this. So what happens to you in the bathroom? The bathroom is my safe space. In, in a... <laughs> this sounds so silly. Um, in, a, in a sense. So it's that time where I kind of get the quiet from the humans. Because typically... Well, not typically. There's no other human in the stall with me. Um, so I, I get that kind of silence from the music and, and the outer world. Um, but oh my God, the spirits from the other side come bombarding me when I'm in the, in the washroom. Um, and again, things are so much clearer. Uh, and you know, we've done this and take out the, the alcohol. We've been at workshops and we excuse ourselves to go pee and we'll come back and say, okay, your, your brother followed me to the bathroom. Your mom was in the stall with me. Um, mm-hmm. it's so freaking busy in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find it wildly entertaining um, because they're usually the most eager and either the funniest or the hardest messages to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're coming to they're coming to you or I um, at a time and in a space where I guess we're kind of in a sense of surrender. You know, we got mm-hmm. nowhere to go. We're mm-hmm. not we're not technically allowed to get up. Can I tell you a secret? No, I don't think this is a secret. But go ahead. <laughs> when I'm doing a session, hun. And uh, in the treatment room, and somebody's blocking me. Oh, you go to the I washroom? go to the bathroom <laughs> because if I go sit That's in the fantastic. bathroom, then it's, like you said, it's just easier, and you don't have their whole personality sitting in front of you fantastic. testing you. It's just you can run to the bathroom, sit down, get the message, come back in, close the door, and go. Okay, here we go, and yeah. just give it. That's funny. But you don't have their character blocking. That's my mom teaching me every day. Yeah. Okay, go. <laughs> That's too funny. What am I going on? I don't know. I answered your question. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So let's just see how, like, um, is there anything else you want to share about growing up this way? Hmm. Can I ask you about your brother's friends and stuff? Mm, what about them? Just, I know how much they mean to you. Mm-hmm. These are like your own brothers. Yeah. Um, 
I need, I need an actual question. But I get tearful thinking oh, about okay. it. Because I think of Andrew's friends and how important they've been because of how much they, they hung those. out here and how much this house was their little, like their spot to hang out. And, um, okay, maybe I'll ask the question, um, what role have any of them played in supporting you? Or has there been support? Yeah, oh my God, yes. Okay. And actually, and I think it's been huge. I just didn't, I just wanted to kind of ask you a question so you could do the answering. Okay, that's fair. Um, No, for sure. There was huge support. And actually, there was support from his friends when he wasn't on board yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I don't fault him for that because knowing what I went through, he probably had it 10 times worse. I think he's far more gifted than I am. Um, So even when Andrew was kind of struggling with accepting all of this, about you, you mean? Well, the two of us, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the way that our house was shifting and the way that your career was going um, and we were communicating, like you said, those boys lived here. They hung out in the basement. It was their it was their safe space too. Um, and so while you and I were shifting, I remember Bray and Mike and Tyler being in the basement um, asking us questions when Andrew, would, ironically, when Andrew would go to the washroom. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'll leave that. Um, yeah, they'd ask us questions. They'd ask us for help. I remember them, some of the boys coming in when they had a big, uh, a big NDA oh, football game yeah. and I think Ty was injured and they just asked for a couple, couple minutes of energy healing so that he yeah. could, he play could still game. play. Yeah. Um, I remember, oh God, I remember Braden coming in the house or walking up the driveway and you're like, Braden, I want to throw you down on my table. And I said, mom, you can't say that to a 14 year old boy. <laughs> yeah, I remember being in the kitchen <clears throat> And uh, having severe pain. Yeah, and that's what it was. In my thumb, in in the um, uh, going up into the arm, and writhing in pain in the kitchen, wondering who had all that pain, and that, he had yeah. broken his thumb or something like that. Some, I can't remember. He yeah, had a, it was Braden walking up the front steps, and you had been picking up on all that. So he he ended up getting an energy session. I think Mike was here at some point. Uh, yeah. No, those boys have been uh, like you said, like brothers, and and huge support. Yeah. Uh, I think in their patience and and I think what I oh, was something really beautiful that you and I got to watch was them being patient with Andrew figuring it all out. Mm-hmm. Um being patient with him kind of understanding that he has these these gifts um but not pushing him. They kind of just let him do things in his own time. Um they'd ask a couple questions and then sort of leave him be because I think we all know he he's a thinker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but likes to do that on his own terms and, and very silently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, those guys were a huge influence and and a different kind of rock in our family that I don't think we had from a certain someone. Okay, and um, I guess the other little thing that I'm thinking about here are your dogs. My do- Oh, all of them? Oh, well, yeah, that's... Oh, that's touchy. You're probably going to cry. Um... Yeah, Mickey came in when we were kind of in chaos with the actual, f- like the family of, of four. Um, he was someone who helped you and sat with you. I remember him reading, or sit, sorry, sitting on your lap while you were reading, um, while you were kind of learning and gaining all of your, your vocabulary and understanding of what you were going through and had been going through your whole life. Um, he was my classmate. Yeah, yeah, it's cute. Uh, Brady coming back in. Um Again, when we hit another point of probably when the family needed to separate. Um, and now Parker. They've all been there for the big moments. And, and ironically, or not ironically, sorry, 
um, appropriately. They've been there for all of the upheavals in our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think about the <clears throat> importance of the energy of each of the each of them, mm-hmm. and um, how they held such a strong space for all of us in all of the pain. Mm-hmm. And and it doesn't necessarily look like uh, strength, because Mickey had crazy anxiety. He had mm-hmm. separation issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, he was defecating everywhere too. Um, and then Brady having his behavioral issues and seizures and yeah. So I forgot about that. Brady um, had seizures seizures and, as well. And we understand the, I, the reasons for a lot of that in yeah. the energy of what we were all going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they caused us to, or maybe just for the catalyst to help us move forward and out of certain ruts. Mm-hmm. So sort of push us into, I, I'll say a new life because it really has been quite a few different new lives mm-hmm. in one lifetime, mm-hmm. which is really neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So growing up with the dogs too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't have anything else. Do you? I don't know. Did you want to tie in your stuff? About what? Growing up. No. All right. Well, we can do that another time. <laughs> did I wipe you? No. <laughs> you look exhausted. No, no. I, I think maybe we can just end this part and then, or do you want to, con- I don't know. Oh my gosh. We're going to give her a break. We're going to yeah. leave and we'll come back with a fresh new podcast next week. <laughs> Bye.